This is Tops Talk. In this episode, we take a sneak peek into the upcoming release of Tops Chrome Baseball. We take a look into the history of the Tops digital trading card apps. And we break down the upcoming Star Wars products you should look out for on the shelf soon. This is episode two. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tops Talk. This is episode two, and we thank you for listening in from whenever and wherever you are. I'm your host, Alex Birch. We have a jam-packed program for you filled with a breakdown of the baseball trade deadline, a conversation about the newest Star Wars products to hit the market, and a look inside the digital side of Tops. But first, we begin with a look inside one of the more popular products Tops offers, and it's set to hit the shelves on August 19th, and that is Tops Chrome Baseball. Zvi Geffen is the brand manager for the product, and I have him right here with me. Zvi, thank you very much for coming on. No problem at all. Good to talk to you, Alex. So let's go right into Topps Chrome Baseball's real draw, and that is the young players that are in it. Absolutely. There are a lot of young players in Topps Chrome Baseball. It's one of our baseball products that really focuses on the season's rookie class. Um, and as such, this year, uh, there's a lot of excitement around the release with uh, really just an incredible rookie class this year. Guys like um, Daniel Norris, who was a big part of uh, last week's trade, um, the David Price trade, Jock Peterson, who made a huge splash in the home run derby over the All-Star game. Obviously, Chris Bryant has been an enormous name uh, trending over the last part of the season. Um, guys like Archie Bradley, Addison Russell, Jorge Soler. So the rookie class is really phenomenal, and I think it reflects what's happening in baseball. There's been a youth movement over the last couple of years, and I think this season's class epitomizes that. Yeah, this season... It's, it's been a sprint, really, for all these major league clubs to try and call up really their best talent that they have in their organization, which happens to be their top prospects. And because of that, it, it started to really create like a, a storm around here trying to get all of them into this product. Yeah, there, there really was a lot, uh, quite a storm going on. You know it well, I know it well, but, um, you know, with the timing of some of these call-ups, uh, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing so that we can get the players into the product, but it also hampers us in terms of uh, you know, a product development um, schedule and trying to keep on schedule and keep the street date for these products. So when you look at late call-ups like a Noah Syndergaard or um, Joey Gallo, Carlos Correa, some of those guys that weren't up at the beginning of the season, but that called up but that got called up a few months into it uh, we were able to get them into the product but, but we did have to shift some things around um, and you know we're excited to offer their cards and their rookie cards in this year's product but uh, you know we had to make a, a couple of tweaks to get them in there and and so how will they be living in this product in what form so those guys specifically, I mean, there were five subjects overall that um, you know we had to go back to press for. That basically means we, we had produced the files, and then we had to get the presses rolling again. So those five guys were, are in the product, but they won't fall quite as frequently as a few of the others. But we felt like it was important to you know, get those cards in there for the collectors, um, 
you know, Carlos Correa is one of the biggest names in baseball right now, just having a phenomenal season and such a huge impact on the Astros. So, you know, we felt we'd be remiss uh, should we not have him in the release. So we wanted to do everything that we could to get him in there. And without a doubt, I'm, I'm sure collectors will be thrilled with that. Obviously, they want more of them, but you know what? To be continued, right? Yeah, exa- exactly. It's only uh, one of the first releases, you know, the, the Chrome releases uh, for these guys' rookie cards. And, you know, we'll continue to see them throughout the year. And, well, it's not just about the, the great rookies and the, and the great young players in this game. It's all Really what this also comes with are some great inserts. We have some good insert content this year in, uh, in Topps Chrome Baseball. Uh, we, we started a program, or a subset, excuse me, called Chrome Culminations, uh, and we set that up as a case hit this year. Um, and w- what you have there, you have some of the more distinguished veterans in the league, and um, in that subset we took an image of the veteran from early in their playing career, and then on the front of the card as well we have a current-day image of that veteran. So a guy like Robinson Cano, um, you would see him from, eight years ago on the Yankees uh, versus now uh, he's on the Mariners. So I think it's a pretty cool idea, and it should sort of uh, illustrate a player's development across the league um, and pays tribute to everything that they've done in in the game of baseball. Additionally, you have some inserts called uh, Chrome Commencements, highlighting some of the second- and third-year players um, that are still having a profound impact. Um, You know, so guys... Like, like Mike Trout, you know, he, he's a couple of years in a fourth or fifth season. Um, and carryover insert content from Topps Baseball, so the gallery of greats and future stars, um, really makes some compelling insert content, especially when you put it on to Chrome technology, which obviously this release features. And there's also another addition to this product that I know that I love because I'm a fan of round numbers, as are a ton of baseball fans. We love the 500 and the 3,000 and even the 100, the 200, 300. I mean, just round numbers, baseball fans, for some reason that I can't really understand, I don't think anyone understands, is that people just love them. And there's a part of this product that is right to that part of the game. Yeah, well, the numbers are easy to remember. So, uh, you know, as a baseball fan, so much of baseball is about the statistics. So when you can say that someone hits 100 wins or hits 500 homers, et cetera, you sort of have this level of accomplishment. And what we've done is taken that concept and spun it into a short printed autograph subset. It's called Thrill the Chase Die Cut Autographs and sort of references a few of um, the big accomplishments from throughout the year. So guys like Clayton Kershaw, who uh, hit his 100 win plateau he's at 107 now I believe Uh, Mike Trout at 100 career home runs uh, well beyond that now but he uh, you know he's at 131 now I believe and he just turned 24 last week so you look at uh, where that career is headed Um, but so those are some of the subjects that you would find in this uh, autograph subset I think it will really create a chase for the collectors beyond just the rookie chrome autographs Without a doubt. Once again, that was V. Geffen, the brand manager for Topps Chrome Baseball, which will be hitting the shelves on August 19th.
The baseball trade deadline is one of the most exciting times of the season for baseball fans, and there are plenty of those baseball fans in the Topps office, and there are two right next to me. One is an editor of many baseball products, specifically and most impactfully, thanks to this trade deadline, Topps Updates series, and that is Jason Berger. And also to my right is Andrew Diamond, who you heard a few weeks ago. And he is an assistant brand manager who also has his hand on the pulse of the deadline. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining. Let's go to Andrew first. Andrew, take us through some very impactful trades at this deadline. Sure. Well, we'll start out with the uh, Kansas City Royal and Cincinnati Red swap of uh, Johnny Cueto for three young arms, all of which are lefties, actually. Uh, Brandon Finnegan, who showed a lot of promise last year in the playoffs for the Kansas City Royals out of the bullpen. Uh, has had some struggles converting the starter, but definitely has a high upside still. John Lamb, a former big top prospect, uh, making a huge comeback this year. He's a post-hype type guy. Uh, had Tommy John and just never really regained his form until this year, and he's really had a successful 2015 campaign. I would expect him to battle out a spot in the rotation maybe in September for the Reds, and you know he could take hold of that into next season. Uh, and the last one is perhaps the most intriguing name, uh, Cody Reed, who um, not a lot of people know about yet, but he's a big 6'5 lefty, and he's already off to an incredible start with the Reds organization with 18 Ks through 15 innings pitched. Moving on down, we got, the, of course, the Tulowitzki to the Blue Jays trade, uh, which featured uh, Jeff Hoffman, which was the ninth overall pick in last year's draft, another post-Tommy John guy. Uh, he you know, could have been in the running for number one overall pick last year, but because of that Tommy John surgery, he slipped down to nine, and he's also off to a pretty good start thus far in uh, in Double A with Colorado. Of course, Jose Reyes was sent over in that trade. We all know him pretty well. He has two years left on his contract. Could be a nice, should be a nice stopgap until they uh, eventually promote Brendan Rodgers and maybe um, Trevor Story, who are some shortstop prospects in the Rockies organization. Um, and then the last piece in that trade was Jesus Tinoco, who's, um, an, you know, not a lot of people know him, but scouts love his upside and his heavy sinking fastball, which he uh, commands quite well. And he's also off to a pretty good start, uh, two starts in in Asheville, low A with Colorado. I still can't get over the fact that Troy Tulewitzki was actually moved and moved to an American League team in the American League East, no less. And, and Jason, I can only imagine that that sent you just spinning once you found out that news. Yeah, no, I, I think that that was one of the most surprising trades that happened. Um, but, you know, the even the, the better part about that, um, at least like for my part when picking those images, whenever, whenever there's a trade happens, my hope is that um, some sort of memorable moment happens. And for Tulo, for him to come out and have the kind of game that he had, probably like one of his best games of the season, that was awesome. That was just that, that's going to be like such a cool thing to show on his card. Without a doubt. And the amazing thing about this trade deadline is that Tulowitzki was not the only type of guy of that caliber who was moved and who was moved to the Blue Jays. Yeah. I mean, the Blue Jays have been unstoppable since the trade deadline. I think they're 11-1 since they made that Tulowitzki trade, and they've won about uh, eight in a row, just sweeping the Yankees most recently uh, in the Bronx. And, uh, of course, they also acquired David Price. You know, they're really putting all their eggs in the 2015 basket here. Um, of course, Tulowitzki's under contract for six more years, but Price is due to be a free agent after the season. And they dealt uh, highly touted Daniel Norris, uh, left-handed prospect, to the Detroit Tigers, who have their eye on the future. 
and they also dealt Matt Boyd, who has had a breakout season for the Blue Jays this year, uh, another little-known prospect. Um, I feel like the trade deadline definitely brings out new names that um, people should be aware of. And, you know, he's someone that if he pans out, the Tigers, you know, probably made the right move here, knowing that they're probably not – they knew they weren't going to be able to retain uh, David Price beyond this season. Yeah, and Norris and Boyd both had really good starts, first starts. Well, Norris, his second start wasn't so great for the Tigers, but seemingly, like, the, it seems like those trades are going to work out for both teams. For sure. And, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I feel like all these prospects that have moved at the trade deadline, of course, small sample size, but they're they're all off to incredible starts with their new teams, whether it be in the minors or the majors. Uh, you got to tip your cap to the scouting departments of the other teams, but we'll see if uh, that continues. So following the price deal, one of the weirdest weeks in baseball, and that was the Carlos Gomez scenario. And it looked like he was going to the Mets, and then apparently not. And then he then moved to the Astros. Yeah, I mean, that was quite a scene uh, when it all started with the Mets. Um, you know, you had Wilmer Flores um, being getting all emotional in the field. Following that up, of course, the next uh, two days later with a walk-off home run, the original agreed-upon deal was sending Zach Wheeler, who's currently on the shelf, with uh, Tommy John surgery in his rearview mirror, and uh, Wilmer Flores. But um, for whatever reason, the Mets um, doctors felt as though his hip wasn't healthy enough, and um, they nixed the trade and instead turned around two days later and um, made a deal with the Tigers for Suspettis. But Gomez was sent to the um, Astros instead for Brett Phillips, who we mentioned on our show a couple weeks ago, uh, Josh Hader, and uh, Domingo Santana. And to be honest, I think... I think the uh, Brewers actually did better with this package. Three key pieces to the Brewers' future um, and adding to a system that has, um, needs, needs strengthening, really. And for Jason, I'm sure that was a very strange night as we go back a bit to the night of the, the trade that wasn't. I mean, you were expecting to start getting ready to pull Carlos Gomez Mets clips, but the next thing you know, Astros. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a bit of a juggling act. You know, like I was getting ready to pull those stats uh, get all that copy written for Gomez to the Mets and Flores going to the Brewers, but you know, all of a sudden in the morning, I had to pull a 180. It was, <laughs> I was like, "Thank you, Sandy Alderson. This is awesome." <laughs> no, that was a that was a, a wild day and uh, and one that will not be forgotten anytime soon. But the following day was incredibly memorable as well for a very different reason, and that was because the trade went down. It was a different trade. But it was a trade that netted the Mets an outfielder of star potential and of star quality already, and that was Joanna Cespedes. Yeah, I mean, Cespedes has already showed his impact on the Mets lineup. We'll see what happens. We'll see if they re-sign him. He's, he's widely believed to be a rental-type player, given his weird contract constraints. For those of you that aren't aware, he actually has a weird clause in his contract that will force the Mets to either re-sign him within a five-day window after the World Series, and if they are unable to do that, they cannot re-sign him until May 15th, which in other words means he's long gone. He didn't come cheaply. He, uh, he cost the Mets uh, Michael Fulmer, who was their, uh, probably their best pitching prospect without major league experience yet. And through two starts with Detroit, Fulmer has just continued a torrid 2015, a real breakout season for him. Um, the Tigers should be excited about him. He was a great get for a, a rental player. The move, though, it's hard to argue on the Mets' side. I mean, that was that was something that really the Mets needed to do, and they did it, and they already are reaping the benefits of that. And for Jason, 
who now had to get images of Cespedes in a Mets uniform. How are those images looking, my friend? I think they look great. I mean, you know, based on the fact that he's playing fairly well, they look awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to see what these cards are going to look like, especially in update series. Over the many years of Topps' existence, Topps has grown to much more than just trading cards. But over the last few years, more than just the physical cards. With me now is Chris Vaccaro, who is the editor-in-chief and the director of app production at Topps, who's been at the helm for some of the biggest changes this company has gone through recently. Chris, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Thanks for having me. Really excited to talk digital. Well, I'm excited to hear about the digital, and I think a lot of people are excited to hear about it as well, because this is where the world has been going for some time, and it's, it, I'm sure people are thrilled to see that Tops went this way too. Yeah, April 2012, we launched our first app, which is Tops Bunt, and at that time, it was just an idea. It was something to figure out, experiment with, see how we can make trading cards digital, uh, and quickly we learned that it was something people were craving, people were excited about. We all know that mobile apps, uh, it, it's, it's, just, it's not a thing of the future, it's now. Kids who are born today come out basically playing with cell phones and tablets, and they know their devices better than their parents at a certain age. So this is an extension of our company in a digital route that is taking us in a progressive nature that's fun, exciting, interesting, uh, and you know allows new generations of people who may not be familiar with tops and trading cards to get exposed to that. And we've had a ton of fun uh, and have worked pretty hard since that, that first day in April 2012 where Bunt was the idea, and now we have four apps. And it's Bunt, Huddle, Kick, Star Wars, and hopefully more to come. And when you first went out to, to set this going, what was one of the bigger hurdles when you guys were really getting going and starting to try and make a name for yourselves within the company and also within the trading card sphere? Well, we have the beneficial backing and well-being of being tops. So the fact that we're sort of this startup within a historic legacy company, both in America and abroad, that's helped us. I think maybe the initial learning curves and the places where we were trying to figure out what was the best thing to do was the user experience, the user interface, the design of the product itself, a lot of user testing, Q&A, figuring out what the fans wanted, uh, and then building up our operations and production plan to basically meet a very hungry audience. So once we figured out what the platform should look like and how it should operate, then we figured out they want cards every day. So we actually produce a schedule of releases with 365 days a year being release planned. Uh, you know, every single day for all four apps, cards come out. So it was figure out how this thing should look, figure out how it should operate, and then go from there. And so let's go more into the specifics. First off, that's incredible. That's crazy. 365 days of releases. And the planning that goes into that, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. But for right now, why don't we go into the specifics of, let's say, Bunt. What does Bunt give the card trader, 
but also the more new to tops consumer as well. So our baseball, football, and soccer apps, the sports ones in our app suite, they combine the nostalgia of card collecting and the competitive spirit of fantasy sports. So while you can collect digital cards and, and you know trade them and build different checklists and chase certain sets that are out there, on the flip side, you can actually play those cards in fantasy in real time. As players performing in real life, Mike Trout, Buster Posey, as they get up and they get a hit, they get a home run, score a run, their points are gonna add up as it happens in bunt. And so there's this whole element of competition. There are leaderboards, there's contests every day that you can opt into and compete with players around the world who are playing their cards in the app. And so there's this this fun element of, yeah, I love to look at my cards and trade them and collect them, but I can sit down in front of a game at a stadium or at home and play while it's happening. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And I'm sure the fantasy aspect of it was probably one of the bigger things that you guys wanted to tap into because, as you know, as everybody knows in the sports world, that fantasy sports was such a, a big-time kick for, uh, for millions of people in this country. And so was that an immediate idea to add in the, fa- the kind of fantasy feel to it? Yeah, the real-time scoring element and the fantasy aspect has been an idea since we launched in April 2012. Uh, it was always a what do we do with these digital cards mindset. And we knew that the thing to do with them was to allow them to play and allow people to correspond with what they're watching in a second screen experience with our apps. And so that was always key in what we were trying to do. Uh, and it's only gotten better from there. It was a, a standard basic leaderboard for a couple of years now. This past season, there's daily fantasy contests. There's competing for prizes where you can win cards, packs, more digital virtual currency in terms of coins, um, bragging rights and recognition against hundreds of thousands of users across the country, and especially for, for Bunt in terms of baseball. But our soccer app, I mean, there's millions of people across the world who have downloaded our app. Uh, and, and any given day, it could be Bundesliga, it could be Barclays Premier League, it could be MLS. There's just so much competition going on that it's really fun to see. And this type of um, excitement, though, with the app that doesn't just come with sports. I mean, now, now this has jumped the ship to go to another ship, which is entertainment. And the Star Wars trading app is just has just exploded. Star Wars, sort of the IP itself, speaks for itself. And we're so proud and privileged to be a part of the Lucas and Disney family and to be able to have an app in our suite for Star Wars and, and the passionate fans and community that exists out there for for Star Wars is unbelievable. I can't even speak I could go for hours just about the the universe and the people and the the, the love and um, affection that people have for the product that really we've only launched it a few months ago and it's it's performing so well. The same thing we release cards every day in that app they're they're coming back every hour every second to see what we're releasing next. We're excited that Episode 7 is coming out, so we're sort of meeting that excitement about Star Wars in American pop culture head-on. And so it's a perfect time for us to have launched this app. Exciting to be a part of something special, what's going on with, with entertainment out there. Uh, our producers and designers and people associated with the app itself are working so hard, uh, and we're thrilled about it. it so it, it's our first entertainment app. Uh, you know, Again, we have the three other sports apps, but this one is remarkable and we're having a great time and we're excited for the future and new cards and new features and really keeping those fans coming back because it's going to be an exciting few months with that movie coming out in December.
And we stick with the Star Wars theme as there are two very exciting products that will be available for purchase soon. That would be Revenge of the Sith 3D and Star Wars Chrome Perspectives. Please allow me to introduce two integral members of the Topps Entertainment team, Dave Waldeck, who's the lead product developer, and Mark Von Olin, who's the brand manager. These two men's main focus through their day is to make the best looking Star Wars products they can. And Dave, let's first break down the one that will be available on Tops.com on August 18th, and that is Revenge of the Sith three-dimensional. This Revenge of the Sith series is a continuation of what we started last year, moving the 3D stuff over to Tops.com and making it a kind of a one-and-done sort of deal where you can buy the whole set in the box and you get this nifty box. Last time we did Han and Carbonite, this time um, we have... Darth Vader on the operating table from the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yep, two hits per box is the guarantee, and we've got some awesome hits to talk about in there. We should mention everything is wide vision, so super long, um, very exciting. You really get to see the the whole like the whole frame of the film that way. Um, you're guaranteed a sketch card in every pack, which is very exciting. And we've only done two thousand of these boxes in total. Um, you know, they're three D lenticular cards, wide vision format. The Re Return of the Jedi, I think, sold out in. What was it, like a week or something? Yeah, it was fast. We're already getting um, a ton of feedback on the Facebook page. People desperate to know when it's coming out, and even to the point of like what time of day is it coming out to make sure that people aren't locked out. So just to reiterate, Tuesday, August 18th, we'll probably have it up there right around 12 noon. We're only making 2,000 of these, and they're $100 single purchase. And you'll get the 44 wide vision base cards that tell the whole story of Revenge of the Sith, and then the two hits per box, which I'd love to take you through some of the hits. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the, the, some of these hits really are going to, to drive people towards this product. Explain who they are. Yep, so um, we have some manufactured items coming in. There are four different patch cards to collect, um, and we've also paralleled those cards. So they're available in silver and then a gold one of one. Uh, the four patches are Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, and then everyone's uh, favorite protocol droid, um, C-3PO, Chewbacca, um, everyone's favorite Wookiee, and Darth Vader. So those are the four different patches. And then we've got a bunch of medallion cards as well. Uh, we've got C-3PO, R2-D2, Chewie, Anakin, Grievous, Darth Vader, and the Clone Trooper. And those come in gold, silver, and bronze. The, uh, the patch cards, too, are uh, reminiscent of the 1983 Return of the Jedi wraps, which we did mm -hmm. last year um, as a pack-in for the Return of the Jedi 3D set. Uh, so we did kind of the same thing here, only we updated it a little bit um, so that it looked more 2005 and less 1983. Um, we've also got a killer um, new sort of combination uh, hit where it's a sketch card and a medallion together. So um, Dave could tell you actually about some of the artists that are going into the set. Um, but we had a few of them in particular make these sketch cards that then got medallions um, dropped in, which was super cool. Yeah, pretty much all the artists are uh, the favorite guys that everybody loves. Um, the difference between other sets and this one is um, since there's only 2,000 boxes, the artists have to do a lot less cards, and they're, they, they commit to lower numbers, so they're able to spend more time on the cards, which helps bring the quality up across the board. And um, what we did with the medallion cards was something um, kind of new. We, we've done it before with, uh, we, last year, with the Relic 
card where we took the Ewok fur and a piece of Jabba's sail barge and we put it in a sketch card and we the guys drew around that or guys and girls drew around that. We did it this time since uh, we didn't have any material uh, from Revenge of the Sith. For, uh, we, we used these medallions, which people seemed to like a lot. And it was it's pretty cool. When you see them, they, they turned out really nice. Yeah, they look fantastic. We're going to have photos of all these up on our social media. Um, you know, mm -hmm. Our Facebook page is, uh, you can search for us, facebook.com, official top Star Wars. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter if you really want, um, Darth Von Olin. Um, I'm always posting all sorts of nonsense that's Star Wars related. And so, Mark, why don't we break down the actual list of people who are signing for this product? Because I know that you are quite excited about a lot of these names. Yeah, we've got some fantastic signers going into Revenge of the Sith 3D, um, including some pretty big names and some we haven't had for a while. Um, the first and I would say biggest on the list is Ian McDiarmid, who is the Emperor, Chancellor Palpatine, Darth Sidious. He really is the glue that holds together the prequels. Um, and even, you know, being part of Episode Six and being the Emperor, in some ways, is the glue that holds the whole um, six-movie affair together. He's such a great villain and so creepy. Um, so I know for me, like, if I pulled the box, I'd be... I'd be hoping for that Ian McDiarmid autograph. Uh, but we've got some other great signers as well. Um, Anthony Daniels is C-3PO, who signs for us all the time. He's fantastic. Um, Kenny Baker is R2-D2. Peter Mayhew is Chewbacca. Dave Bowers as Masamita. Uh, Nina Fallon as Stas Ali. Kenji Oates as Sai C. Tin. Jeremy Bullock as Captain Colton. And then we've also got Bai Ling. And now if you're asking yourself, why didn't I know that Bai Ling is in Revenge of the Sith? It's because she's in a deleted scene. Um, so go get your DVD or your Blu-ray and watch the scene. She plays Senator Banu Brimu, um, and so she's in the set. And I, I can't remember the last time we've had her. It's been a little while. Um, but there are about 500 autographs going into the product out of 2,000 boxes. So you've got a nice, I think you've got a pretty good um, potential of pulling a fantastic autograph from the set. Well, all that sounds fantastic for those who are truly, truly looking for this product, but also ones that might even stumble upon it. The, the few and far between who could stumble upon this and get a box. And so once again, it will be hitting tops.com on August 18th, Tuesday, August 18th, Revenge of the Sith 3D. So guys, why don't we move forward and talk about the next product that I know that Dave is very excited about as well, mainly because this was his brainchild, and that is Star Wars Chrome Perspectives. Dave, why don't you take us through a little bit about how you came about this and why it was so important for you to make something like this? I, I, I like the idea, and, you know, I, I know in, in brainstorms and meetings and stuff, like, you know, it was fun to sit and hypothesize what what certain characters would say about other characters, and... I know, like, there's a, you know, the Empire card, um, the Empire's perspective, Chewbacca calls it, like, a fearsome terrorist or something like that, which still <laughs> I love that. makes me laugh. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it was just a way for, for us and for me to um, kind of add something fun and, and something new. And it's just something, it was, you know, it was a fun way to, to come up and do something new and, you know, be a little bit quirky and, and a little bit out there at the same time. Why don't we bring Mark into the discussion here? The inserts of this are a lot of fun. Mm. And why don't you go a little bit into what consumers can expect with these inserts? Um, yeah, so these are some killer cards. And really, I have to give all the credit to Dave 
and uh, John Williams, who's also one of the developers. Not the John Williams, but our John Williams. Um, <laughs> I've always loved I, that so much. Every I love time. it. My first day yeah. in the office, I walked by and I was like, "Is that does John Williams have a satellite office at Tops?" Um, <laughs> so that was very exciting. We uh, needed to hire somebody with that name <laughs> for this franchise. Um, so these these inserts are are very propaganda style. In fact, some of them are labeled as propaganda. Um, and when you see the images, and we'll put them all up on Facebook again, official Top Star Wars, you can see um, the two different perspective sides. Uh, first of all, we have Sith fugitives, which look like wanted posters. Very much they harken back to what Dave did last year on Chrome Perspectives, which we're now referring to as Chrome Perspectives, um, Empire versus Rebel Alliance. This year is Jedi versus Sith. Last year was the Empire and the Rebels. Um, we've got these awesome Sith fugitive wanted posters that profile some of the most powerful Sith Lords um, in the galaxy. So Vader, Dooku, the Inquisitor, etc. Asajj Ventress, we'll count her. She'll count. Um, and then the Jedi Hunt um, is the next insert, and that features ten of the wanted Jedis so that the Sith Lords would be tracking down. And they all have a bounty underneath them, yeah, well, which is exciting. One of the things that I learned while making this was that Lucasfilm actually has um, official bounty amounts for these characters. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. That is amazing. Now Yoda was the most expensive, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Yoda being the leader of the Jedi Council. That makes sense. He was in the what is that? It's not a dollar. I never remember that's what the, it is. That's the credit symbol. The credits. So yeah. Yoda was over a million credits. Ahsoka wow. Tano, who I love. I love Ahsoka. I'm now getting like re deep into Clone <laughs> Wars again. She's only forty thousand credits sad. Because oh she's just a Padawan. So Yeah, she's small potatoes. Yep. But I should mention too that the art on these was done by Bob Stevlick, who started out doing sketch cards for us, and he helped us out with the illustrations for the similar inserts last year, and mm -hmm. uh, we, we pulled some stuff from his sketch cards, and we he came in and generously um, threw some extra ones together that we, we didn't have, but this time he had a lot more time to you know put, put effort into them, and, and they look great. The portraits just are beautiful. The nice thing is these two sets are one out of two. One, the Sith Fugitives are one out of two packs, and the Jedi Hunter one out of four packs. So they're the ones you'll encounter the most frequently, and and I think they're some of the most beautiful in the set. Um, the other inserts that we have in here, there are three more. There are five altogether for a total of 50 cards. Uh, Sith Propaganda, um, which really speak to the Sith's view on everything. So one is all about conquest. So everything of significant, every, everything of significance is the result of conquest. And Darth Maul's on that card. There's also a Jedi information guide, which I would argue too is Jedi propaganda. You know, they talk about peace and um, you know being one with the Force. And well, you, you know, could, I wouldn't say that Jedi, you know, come out with propaganda. No, they've got their recruitment tools. We're right? just, we're just, <laughs> we're just, inf they're just informing people on the dangers of the dark side. Exactly. <laughs> so obviously, the inserts are are a huge part of this. But one of the main drivers of this product is who we could get to sign. Mm. And so let's go through the nice names that are associated with this brand. So the autograph signer list for this particular set is truly spectacular and features five first-time signers. Um, so we'll start with the classic people. Uh, one, Mark Hamill. Come on, he's Luke. We've got to have him. He's like our Jedi. Uh, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. David Prowse as Darth Vader, who we have not had in quite a while and is in his 80s and still awesome. And you need to follow him on Twitter immediately. Um, Peter Mayhew is Chewbacca. That rounds out our classic signers. And then we brought in, um, very thematically, a ton of Jedi and Sith 
from the prequels. So all the Jedi and Sith that you've been encountering during the prequels that you think are interesting and exciting, we've got a ton of them in here uh, to sign. So Ray Park um, as Darth Maul, Matthew Wood as General Grievous, Orly Shosan as Shaq T, Michaela Cottrell as Yvonne Peel, um, Phil Eason as Yaddle, um, Nick Gillard as Sindralig. Yeah. Now, Nalani Krishan is Barris Afi. I love her. You should see what she does in the Clone Wars. That's a fantastic arc there. Um, Jerome Blake is Opo Rancis. Silas Carson is Kid Eddie Mundy. We haven't had him in a while. Um, Zach Jensen is Kit Fisto. And then Amy Allen is Isla Sakura. So you can see a nice rounding of heroes and villains from the prequels. A lot of, a lot of people from the, the Jedi Council. Yeah, it, w- it was kind of a conscious effort to get as many Jedi as we could because of the nature of of the perspectives being the Jedi versus Sith. That's great. And and this is actually the first time, though, that there will be dual autographs. Um, So we put in all these dual autographs with a lot of the signers we had just mentioned. So we've got um, Shock T with Isla Sakura, so some of our prequel Jedi together. We've got Luminara versus Asajj, which is the perfect Jedi versus Sith uh, combination. Uh, We've got Evan Peel with Kit Fisto, another um, prequel Jedi combo. We've got Asajj Ventress with Mother Talzin, so the two Night Sisters together on a duel. Uh, Barris Afi with Nina Fallon as Stas Ali. And we couldn't get um, on cards for her, but we do have her as part of the double, which is exciting. And then Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka with Master Luminara. They team up in a couple episodes together. So a lot of these were put together with true context. Um, and we're also putting in a nice quantity of each. These six different rare dual autos have about 200 going in. So, you, so there's going to be over a thousand dual autographs in this product, which I think are nice high value for the collectors. And so what else would you want to say to consumers who are maybe on the fence? I don't know how anyone could be on the fence about buying <laughs> this product anymore, but say they're still, they're curmudgeon they, they just don't, they don't want to buy it yet. But what could you tell them right now that could really send them over the top and saying, yep, I'm going to want to buy this? Well, in addition to the, uh, dual autographs that Mark just discussed. We have some ultra-rare dual autographs, which are um, Mark Hamill with Carrie Fisher, Ian McDiarmid with Ray Park, and Ian McDiarmid with David Prowse. Um, those wow. Are, those wow. Will be, yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow is the word. <laughs> so th- th- those will be the more traditional, tougher-to-chase dual mm-hmm. autos. We're only doing three of each of those cards, so there are nine of those ultra-rare duels total in the whole product. And then we've got a couple of triple autographs that we're doing. Uh, Mark Hamill with David Prowse and Ian McDiarmid. And Ian McDiarmid, David Prowse, and Ray Park. So, you know, we've got this kind of Return of the Jedi thing <laughs> going on. And then this, you know, Our Sith, Sith Lords. Yeah, the Sith yeah. Lords. Well, be sure to check out Facebook.com slash official top Star Wars and, of course, Mark's own personal plug to follow him on, <laughs> at Darth Von Olin. Um, but the real plug, of course, here is August 21st, and that is the date that you can get Chrome Perspectives in hobby shops nationwide, August 21st. If, if you hear that sound, that's people already running to the store. It's going to be <laughs> a wonderful product, and we hope all Star Wars fans, young and old, can enjoy this release. Guys, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having us. To finish off the episode, we turn to our newest segment we call Top Stories, 
where we highlight a particular collector and why he or she fell in love with the trade. Our inaugural guest is collector and Pittsburgh fan, Richard Hardy. When I was nine, uh, I was at the flea market and I, I was just getting into sports a little bit. My favorite sport was football at the time and I saw a pack of cards and the gentleman who was in charge of the area explained to me some stuff about cards and then my dad told me about how he collected cards as a child so I decided to open up a pack and it all started from there. What's been your uh, favorite product in 2015 the rip so far? Well so far I would have to say it's Allen and Ginter baseball now in the past two days, I've pulled two one-out ones, so it's a blast. It's a fun product. And what were those one-of-ones? Uh, Troy Tulowitzki one-out-one one printing plate, and just now a Rusty Castillo one-out-one uh, one sketch card out of Rip. Nice. And that was uh, out of which? Which? What was the Rip card you pulled uh, before you got the Rusty Castillo card? Joe Panic out of fifty. Why? Why tops over uh, other card companies? Well. Tops is very kind to all of the collectors. They do their best on every product they can. Tops powers through every difficulty they face to try to bring the best product to the collector that they can. Thanks again for listening to Tops Talk, and we hope you hear us again soon. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. If you have any questions for us, or if you'd like to be a top story, Email topstalk at tops.com with your information. A special thanks goes out to Clay Laraski and Leanne Minutoli, Chris Vaccaro, Andrew Diamond, Jason Berger, V. Geffen, Mark Von Olin, and Dave Waldeck, and of course the killer quartet of Pelican, Ross, Smith, and Yanelli. This has been Episode 2 of Topstalk.